0: Welcome, everyone, to Unsafe Space. You are watching a special weekend edition of Dangerous Thoughts. I guess that's what we can call it. Uh, I'm your host, Carter Laren. As I mentioned on on Wednesday, which is when Dangerous Thoughts usually airs, uh, I'll be out for the next couple weeks. So um, I figured I would take this opportunity to briefly talk to you about Two important back-to-back Supreme Court decisions that just happened, uh, Thursday and Friday, and uh, that way you get a little a little bit of dangerous thoughts while I'm gone. All right. Uh, insert all of the marketing stuff here. Visit unsafespace.com to support all the series, like, share, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Let's talk about the two decisions. Um <clears throat> You know, one of the reasons I wanted to to talk about these two is maybe not everyone is understanding exactly what's going on. And, you know, maybe for some of you, this is remedial. In that case, you can share this video with your friends for whom it's not remedial. But, you know, my wife brought this up this morning. I often put NPR on in the morning in the house um, because I'm a sadist and uh, or maybe a masochist Um, and NPR today is they were losing their marbles over uh both of these decisions um which i think just reveals how unprincipled the cathedral is or as on i was referring to them on wednesday as the first and second estates uh if you don't get that reference go watch wednesday's show but um you know they they're really they're really going crazy over this it's like it's kind of like the January sixth hysteria, right? It's an insurrection, blah blah blah. So, you um, know, and my wife, who did not grow up in the U.S., as many of you know, she was kind of. She asked me at the breakfast table this morning, "Hey, uh, what's going on? Um, I'm hearing that." <laughs> she heard this is this is what the through the grapevine she's hearing. I'm hearing that now abortion is illegal everywhere in the US and that people are going to start shooting each other. <laughs> um that that's that's a thing now. People are going to start shooting each other and everyone's going to have a gun. Not that she cares too much about uh like she, she's not opposed to necessarily to everyone having a gun. She just was like this is what I'm hearing. What's going on? So I thought, okay, well, let's take a look at this. Um, now, as a reminder, when we when we look at Supreme Court rulings, we're looking at what's what's legal. We're trying to do a rational, objective interpretation of uh, the U.S. Constitution. That's what we're trying to do. We're not trying to make a moral decision necessarily. Now, I think it's important. I mean, most of what I talk about is is philosophy, culture, and and you know, as a result, ethics and morals. So. Um, it is important to make distinctions right when we see that oh this thing is immoral um but when we're talking specifically in the context of supreme court rulings we have to accept a framework that i know not all of us might agree with which is there is a united states it is there is a constitution that governs the united states and we are supposedly following this constitution and so that's how we look at these rules so um you know most people though they tend to look at a supreme court Court ruling. And if they like the moral outcome, then they love the ruling. And if they dislike the moral outcome, then they don't like the ruling, which is uh, not an honest way of evaluating Supreme Court rulings. Uh, It's sophomoric, it's childish. Uh, and you should be ashamed of yourself if that's how you evaluate Supreme Court rulings. You don't have to be a lawyer, but the way to because eval- I'm not a lawyer, obviously, but the way to evaluate these is, the honest way to evaluate these is to ask yourself, well, is this ruling constitutional? Do I think that based on the plain language of the Constitution and the meaning of the words written at the time, this ruling is correct? If I still don't like it, then you have other options, right? You could say, well, I think the U.S. Constitution should be changed. Or I think, uh, you know, or this is a case where even though I think some immoral stuff is allowed, I got to understand that illegality and immorality ought not be the same thing. They're not, we can't conflate those. And so this is just a case of something I don't like being allowed or or whatever and, uh, and move on with your life. So conflating, I like this with, this was a good ruling uh, is... Like I said, it's childish at, at best and dishonest at worst. And I think most of the left is dishonest with respect to this. So Thursday. Let's talk about Thursday's ruling first. Um, the Supreme Court, I think it was, I think this ruling, uh, I think this opinion was written by Clarence Thomas. The Supreme Court ruled on the Sullivan Act. Now, um, I, I don't know if it was just the Sullivan Act, actually, but basically the Sullivan Act in New York. I, I first learned about the Sullivan Act from reading Mickey Spillane novels. Um, it's pretty widely known uh, in, in New York. Um, and it's a gun control law f- back from like 1911. Uh, coincidentally, when the Army adopted the 1911 handgun as its standard. Uh, it was, so it's old. It's over 100 years old. And... <clears throat> It basically says there's you need a license required to concealed carry, um, and like many laws in many jurisdictions, uh, it is a may issue law, and that's not uncommon. Uh, here in California, we've got a lot of may issue laws, and and the difference between and you know, when someone says may issue, they're they're contrasting it with shall issue. There are shall issue laws and states and and those laws say if someone applies for a we you know there are states unlike Vermont where you don't have to have any you know, there's just constitutional carry you can just carry i'm pretty sure that's still the case in Vermont um many states want to have some sort of licensing requirement but they recognize that this is a second amendment right and they can't really um prohibit you unjustly from having a concealed weapon so they have a shall issue clause and they basically it's a way for them to say, well, unless the 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 local police department, who is usually in charge of, of issuing issuing, sometimes it's the sheriff, but unless unless the local police department, um, uh, actually, I think it's often the sheriff. Unless, unless they say, uh, hey, we found this reason why you shouldn't, like, uh, for example, you've been convicted seventeen times of assault and battery or something. Like we've we found something, you know, you're you're a felon <laughs> whatever we found a reason you know you, you you were convicted for murder and you're out like we found some reasons why we think you shouldn't have a weapon now you can argue that those reasons shouldn't be allowed um and that's a separate discussion but shallow issue states generally have this this rule that look if someone applies you got to give it to them maybe you have to make them jump make them jump through some hoops like they have to take a class um but in general, you got to issue unless there's a compelling reason to not issue. May issue rules, may issue laws are, are the reverse of that. They basically say, well, it's up to the local police. Um, as I said, I think it's often the sheriff although, uh, sheriff, although I'm not sure. It's the sheriff here and in many other places. Um, and, and this basically gives the local uh, law enforcement complete discretion. They may issue a carry permit if they want to. Um, but they don't have to. And in California, you get, and in the same as in New York, you get a variety of uh, <clears throat> a variety of different implementations of this. So, um, I was friends before he passed away a few years ago. I was friends with the District Attorney of Mendocino County, and up in Mendocino County, uh, he would, you know, they would just issue they would issue permits. To anyone who wanted a concealed carry permit, right? Um, even though it's California, you you applied, you got one. Uh, I think I think if you got caught, if I recall, I taught some concealed carry classes for him up there, and I think the reason some people were in the classes was if you got caught carrying a weapon without a license, his punishment for you was you had to get a license, and take a class. So he's you know pretty libertarian. His name was Norm Roman. Great guy, um, but of course, in other counties down in San Francisco County, uh, Santa Clara County, Alameda County, these other counties that are surround uh, the city of San Francisco, Oakland, and San Jose, these these uh, these counties, uh, it's much different. Almost no one can get a permit. Um, in fact, I think. I, I, Several years ago, it's been a while, so this these numbers are not correct, I'm sure. But several years ago, I remember looking into this and, and reading something about there's there was like six permit holders in all of San Francisco County. And it was people like Nancy Pelosi. I, mean, I don't know if it was her, but it was like those kind of – it might have actually – no, maybe it was Barbara Boxer. It was some politician. There's like six people in, all, in the entire city, in the entire county who who – were issued permits. And of course it's because they're well-connected and they, they, the local law enforcement decided that they had a justification for having a firearm. So that's what may issue is. And New York was a may issue state um, because of uh, the Sullivan Act. And um, in many jurisdictions in New York, particularly New York City, which obviously is where a large percentage of the New York population is in and around New York City, you had to justify yourself to the local police. You had to have, quote, proper cause. Um, and, uh, you know, proper cause means whatever they want it to mean. Usually it means, it usually is pretty strict. It's like, well, you're a security guard who's protecting politicians that we like. Okay. Uh, or you're the DA, or you're an ex-cop. Uh, the cliche example in New York City was you're a diamond merchant and you carry around diamonds. It's like, all right, well, maybe, but most people aren't diamond merchants or ex-cops or DAs, so um, they don't get permits. Um, And just like San Francisco, it was nearly impossible to get a concealed carry permit. It is nearly impossible to get a concealed carry permit in uh, the city of New York, as well as many other counties around New York State. So here's the ruling. Let's just read the ruling. Again, written by Clarence Thomas. Uh, The beginning is just a summary. I'm going to read the summary so you guys can hear uh, instead of my botched description of the law here's what the the summary says the state of new york makes it a crime to possess a firearm without a license whether inside or outside the home an individual who wants to carry a firearm outside his home may obtain an unrestricted license to quote have and carry a concealed quote pistol or revolver if he can prove that quote proper cause exists for doing so new york penal law blah 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 An applicant satisfies the quote proper clause requirement only if he can quote demonstrate a special need for self protection distinguishable from that of the general community. Now, this language is interesting, right? Because it means regular people actually don't have, they're very, very clear. Regular people don't have the special need. You have to demonstrate that you have a need. That's distinguishable from everyone else, which is why you end up with, "Hey, do you carry around millions of dollars of diamonds on a regular basis?" Okay, fine. So that's the 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 summary of this the that's the very beginning, uh, which just describes the situation, and then we'll skip down to the opinion, where Thomas writes, "We two agree and now hold consistent with Heller and McDonald, which was a previous." Supreme court ruling that the second and 14th amendments protect an individual's rights to carry a handgun for self-defense outside the home. A little further, he writes, because the state of New York issues public carry licenses only when an applicant demonstrates a special need for self-defense, we conclude that the state's licensing regime violates the constitution. QNPR npr pearl clutching hysteria fainting on the couch and saying oh my god everyone's gonna die in the streets now uh that's the ruling so that was the that was thursday's ruling they're already queued up about that so but i'm recording this on a friday though although i expect this will go out over the weekend and uh this morning they were in the middle of hysteria over this ruling when suddenly in real time uh the roe v wade ruling came out and they had to switch gears and uh faint over something else so um today when i'm recording this um the the roe v wade ruling which was written by judge alito um that we all saw coming obviously it was leaked right this was the one that was leaked that was in the news uh extensively the past couple months uh this ruling was finally finally released and uh, I don't, I don't know how different it is. I haven't read the entire thing. It's it's long. I don't know how different it is from the original, but the conclusion is the same, uh, <clears throat> which is that it's overturning rule Roe v. Wade. So, um, of course, this gets misrepresented, and this is this is you know what my wife was asking about, because if you listen to most media. And, and even a lot of politicians that are interviewed on media and whatever, they say, this makes abortion illegal, ah! right? No, this does not make abortion illegal. That's not what it does. Uh, let's just quickly remind you guys what the road decision was. Um, and by the way, I, I talked about this more extensively in a previous episode. I think it was, man, I don't remember. Uh, (laughs) I don't remember the. actually here. Let me look up the name of it. Uh, I do have the name of it sitting here somewhere. It was called Ministry of Truth. So you look at a previous dangerous thoughts episode. If you want to get into Roe v. Wade a little bit more, I'm not going to get into it too deeply right now, but what the Roe Roe v. Wade decision was, this is a 1973 uh, Supreme court case uh, in which they ruled that the constitution protects pregnant women's rights to abortion. Uh, they also said it wasn't absolute so not only do they see abortion somewhere in the constitution they apparently see the nuances of trimester based litmus tests all in the constitution I don't know where it is but they saw all that in there Um, and so uh, in Roe v. Wade they said well uh, they implemented this like I said trimester based uh, structure where they said well in the first trimester states are not allowed to regulate it at all and then the second trimester, they're allowed to regulate it, but only for the purposes of protecting maternal health. And in the third trimester, they can regulate it or prohibit it or whatever. Now, um, in 1992, there was another Supreme Court case called Casey, which actually overturned parts of Roe, but not not in the same way. They basically replaced this trimester thing with uh, a viability analysis. Because um, that's clearly in my pocket constitution. I think there's a whole section, right, um, who was it Madison who wrote all about the viability of fetuses somewhere anyway um they found that in there and that was that was the ruling so we've been living under a combination of Roe v Wade and Casey uh for the past couple decades and obviously some states restrict later term abortions more than other states here in California it's relatively lax in other states it's it's a little bit more difficult um and of course there are states that want to restrict abortion much earlier and can't because of, or haven't been able to because of the Supreme Court ruling, both Roe and Casey. Now, it's important to see, you know, I'm I'm mocking this a little bit about, hey, where is this stuff in the Constitution? Well, fortunately, when they write opinions, they tell you what part they're looking at. And I've I've got a note here to myself that says, read it because it's janky. Janky is an official legal term. So I'm going to read, this is my pocket constitution. I'm going to read. So the justification for Roe v. Wade, uh, not this current one, but the previous one, is that the due process clause of the 14th amendment is where they see all this right to an abortion and even like viability tests and stuff. It's all here. So if you miss it, you know, don't blink, you might miss it. So um, I'm going to read, this is in section one of the 14th amendment. I'll read the whole section one. It's not that long. Um, and, but I'll highlight the part where, uh, we have our due process clause. Okay. Section one, all persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States and of the states wherein they reside. Now, by the way, this is past post, this is the reconstruction era. This is post, um, civil war. That's why they're, they're writing this so that people can't say like, oh, black people aren't citizens or whatever. So all persons born or naturalized uh, are subject to the jurisdiction. Okay. No state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States. Okay. Um, You think maybe, maybe that's where they found it, but no, that's not where abortion is. Hold on. Nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, that's where it is, it's in there, Uh, nor deny any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. So that's, if you missed it here, what that says is women are entitled to abort their fetuses based on viability tests. And I don't know how you can't see that, it's right there. Um, So anyway, that that was the justification um that was justification of roe v wade and um that is what the today's friday's decision uh written by alito and leaked earlier that's what is, that's what they've disagreed with they've said hey uh uh-uh. they don't see abortion there in that clause i don't know maybe they need reading glasses all right, so let's make sense of these um these opinions really briefly. This isn't going to be a long show, as I mentioned. <clears throat> because what's most fascinating to me here is the justipi- the I can't speak, the juxtaposition of how um the cathedral, the 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 media, <clears throat> most of the media is is reacting to the gun law case versus Roe v. Wade because they happen here back to back and it's interesting. On the one hand here, we have the Second Amendment to the Constitution. Now, you could make an argument. Let's just just go back to the Bill of Rights here in my pocket Constitution. I'm gonna actually read the First Amendment because I'm gonna make a kind of a weird point here. The First Amendment says, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or of the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. That's all one sentence. Now, if you'll note, it begins with the clause, Congress shall make no law. You could argue, you could argue that that doesn't say states can't make laws. Restricting freedom of speech and religion, like that, could be an argument based on the First Amendment, right? And you hear, uh, you hear the First Amendment touted a lot, maybe more selectively now than in the past, given the left's newfound propensity for censorship. But you could, you could read that and make an argument that somehow well, the Constitution doesn't say, you know, Nevada can't uh, pass a law here to restrict; it just says Congress can't. Um, so you could make that argument, (sighs) but when you move down to the second amendment, you can't even make that argument. Let's read the second amendment, shall we? It does not start. It does not start with Congress shall make no law. It doesn't say that at all. It starts with a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Okay, so first of all, regardless of what you think of all these, you know, terms we can talk about in a minute, well-regulated militia, um, regardless of what you think about them, this is a, this is much more of a proclamation that there's a right here, whatever that right is, you can, we can argue about it in a minute, there's a right here, and that right shall not be infringed. It doesn't say Congress can't do blah, blah, blah. It says that right shall not be infringed. It's much harder to make an argument about the Second Amendment that states can do something, like states can pass laws, because it says shall not be infringed. Um, right. So, the Second Amendment is actually uh, much stronger from a uh, if you if you're just measuring in terms of how much power the federal government is attempting or claiming to be able to exert on state self-management and state self-governance governance the first amendment you could argue they're not really exerting that much they're saying they can't do it but they're not really stopping you the second amendment they're they're exerting a lot more forceful uh power here so let's let's just talk about because people pick on this kind of well-regulated malicious stuff let's just talk about it for a moment um well regulated at the time simply meant proficient well practiced able to train that's all it it doesn't mean regulated in regulations that's not what it meant at all there's no evidence to suggest that's what it meant there is evidence to suggest that it meant others (laughs) like it meant just proficient well practiced that's what it meant all right so this is why i often say uh you know the left will be happy to give you the constitution if they can steal the dictionary right if they can rewrite the dictionary which you know i don't know the entire etymology of the phrase well regulated and where it started and and you know when it started to be used differently but certainly the idea of massive federal regulation was not something that was was common uh at the founding and well regulated certainly didn't mean that we know that when and how this phrase became, you know, meant regulated by the federal government, I'm not exactly sure. But that's their claim. If they can claim that that means, if well-regulated means there's lots of licensing and regulations around it, well, that that's their claim, right? And then they can, if, if they do that, then they don't have to change the text. But of course, that's not a proper reading. Uh, it's a dishonest reading to do that. Let's also talk about militia, because they love to pick on, the anti the anti-gun people and i'm not even gonna call them anti. there's no there are no anti-gun people there are people who want uh jackbooted thugs and governments to have guns but no one else and people who are uh who want gun equity shall we call it uh let's use one of their languages i want gun equity or gun equality everyone can have a gun they want uh only people in power right only the privileged as they would say, to have gone. So anyway, they, they will argue, they'll pick on this this word militia. Now, they pretend that this militia means something other than what it did. Let's just take a look uh, at history here. James Madison in Federalist Number 46 refers to the militia as, quote, by the way, James Madison, this is not someone who's unfamiliar with the Constitution. Uh, he's not, this isn't a guy who's, separated by five generations and is, you know, working at an NGO funded by George Soros. This is, this is James Madison. He's one of the founding fathers. He's certainly familiar with the constitution. He writes, near half a million, this is what he says the militia is, near half a million of citizens with, citizens with arms in their hands. Now that half a million number, you might say, ah, see, he's just referring to a subset. The population at the time, half a million was basically all able-bodied men in the entire population at the time. So he was saying the militia is all able-bodied men with arms in their hands. That's what it is. It's all the dudes carrying guns. All right. Um, there's a, there's another reference here that I think uh, is worth looking at. There's a guy named, I can't, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing this correctly, but Tench Cox, Cox. Um, Coxe, and his first name is Tench. Um, I don't know if he was born in Hollywood, but I don't think so, because uh, he was from Pennsylvania. He was a member of the Confederation Congress from Pennsylvania, um, and he wrote a series of essays at the time to explain this. You know, he was trying to convince Pennsylvanians to ratify this new constitution, and he was there therefore explaining it to them and saying, "This is why we should ratify it. This is what it is." Um, now, of course, we know that the Constitution was written to be interpreted by laymen. It wasn't wasn't designed to require lawyers and explanations, but nevertheless he's, he's trying to make arguments for it and say, hey this is this is what this means guys. And there was a minority of people in Pennsylvania at the time who were saying that this was giving the quote power of the sword it was putting the quote power of the sword in the hands of Congress. They were worried that like hey I don't I don't want to give, I don't want to give this monopoly on force to to these dudes in Congress like I don't want to I don't want to give them the power of the sword. And he's explaining it to them. Now, if you're a leftist you might think he was going to was about to say no, the states have the power of the sword, blah blah blah. Don't worry. That's not how he explains it. Of course it's not how he explains it because that's not how it's written and it's not how anyone understood it at the time. Uh he writes the powers of the sword are in the hands of the yeomanry, <laughs> I love that, that word. The yeomanry, yeomanry, yeomanry. I guess is how you would pronounce it. Of America, from sixteen, oh, doesn't say twenty-one. huh? From sixteen to sixty, I guess after sixty, you're not a lot. Uh, the militia of these free commonwealths, entitled and accustomed to their arms, when compared with any possible army, must be tremendous and irresistible. Okay, so he's saying. By the way, this is a nod to like, hey, we've got to outnumber them and be well-armed. And he's talking about outnumbering the federal government, law enforcement, and be well-armed. It's militia. Now, what does he mean by militia? He says right here, who are the militia? Are they not ourselves? It is feared then that we shall turn our arms against each man. Sorry, we will turn our arms each man against his own bosom. Congress have no power to disarm the militia. Their swords and every other terrible implement of the soldier are the birthright of an American. Let's read this again. Their swords and every other terrible, terrible implement of the soldier are the birthright of an American. What clause in the state or federal constitution hath given away that important right? The unlimited power of the sword is not in the hands of either the federal or state governments, but where I trust in God, it will ever remain in the hands of the people. So well-regulated militia does not mean Gavin Newsom's California Guard. It never has. It never did. That's not what it means. Now, that said... even if it did, even if well-regulated militia did mean Gavin Newsom's California Guard, uh, that part of this amendment is just setting up the statement of the right. It's just an explanatory cause. Here's the reason, therefore this right shall not be infringed. So it does not, so the the, the part that, that matters here in terms of implementation, the is is the right that's recognized so it says this thing being necessary for this other thing this right needs to be recognized now if they meant gavin newsom's california guard they would have written something to the effect of a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state the rights of states to maintain such militias shall not be infringed this would that's what it would say right here's the the explanation here's the right that shouldn't be that shall not be infringed but the right that's recognized here is not a state right it doesn't say therefore states can have militias, or even you know the the right of government agencies to have militias shall not be it doesn't say that doesn't say local governments doesn't say state governments doesn't say that at all it says the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed now you cannot like that lefties you can think that the constitution should be different you can make arguments about it you can even unfortunately you can even probably convince a bunch of other people and maybe even get the constitution changed someday which i hope uh, that does not happen but you could you could do that but you can't you can't be intellectually honest you can't maintain your intellectual honesty if you have any and pretend that The second amendment means anything other than it's the right of regular people to have and carry around firearms and not just firearms. I'm gonna go back and read this clause from, uh, this explanation from Kochs. Terrible implements of the soldier People have a right to own and carry terrible implements of the soldier. Why? Again, let's go back. When compared with any possible army, the people, basically, must be tremendous and irresistible. That's why. You cannot like it. You're allowed to not like it. You're allowed to say it's immoral. You're wrong, but you're allowed to say it's immoral. You're allowed to make arguments for it, uh, and and be taken seriously at least in in a, in a sense of intellectual honesty. But you can't you can't pretend it means something else. So, being upset about the Sullivan ruling, I'm calling it the Sullivan ruling. I think the official title is New York State Rifle and Pistol Association Incorporated et al versus Bruin, superintendent of New York State Police et al. So you can be upset about that ruling, but if you're gonna be upset about that ruling and simultaneously be upset about overturning Roe, you're 100% intellectually dishonest. That's just intellectual dishonesty. There's nothing else there which is all of NPR, by the way, right now. And I'm sure CNN, I haven't watched CNN today, but I'm sure other things. Right, Because if that's your position, if you are lamenting, if you are lamenting Thomas's ruling and lamenting Alito's ruling, both, it means that you somehow, somehow, you read the Second Amendment that we just read, And you don't see what's clearly written there. But it also means that you read the 14th Amendment. In particular, you read, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. You read that and you say, clearly that means there's a right to an abortion based on viability. You're just a liar and a hack and you're dishonest if that's your, you just all of NPR, everyone with this opinion, you are liars. You are dishonest. There is no room for mistake here. There's no room. I'm not going to be, I'm in a mood here because I'm, I'm, I am not going to be forgiving. This is not an honest mistake. These rulings are back to back and you're simultaneously making these arguments you're either retarded and should not be on the air or you are dishonest and should not be on the air. You can complain about it. I got no problem with, with people complaining about it and saying, I don't think this is the way that it should be. It's time to abolish the second amendment. I disagree, but at least that's an honest position. I got no problem with them saying, look, well, you know, (coughs) Congress should pass a law about abortion. Like I, I don't agree with that either, but, you could make that argument. To, but to pretend that that both Thomas and Alito are misreading the Constitution, you're just you're just dishonest. All right. And there is look, there can be no rights to an abortion in the Constitution. I don't want to get into this because I'm not actually not like adamantly wanting to ban all abortion. That's not my stance but uh you know if you're reading this 14th amendment and you're magically seeing a right to an abortion like this this makes no sense there can't be a right to an abortion in the constitution there can't be why is that well because the issue at the at the heart of the abortion debate is whether it's murder right because we all already agree that states are definitely allowed to make murder illegal. That's allowed. We No one's arguing that, you know, it's, they're not allowed to make murder illegal. They're probably prohibited from making it legal. I don't know. I'm, I haven't thought about that question too much. But states are probably prohibited from making it legal. They probably, you know, California can't probably just, you know, say, hey, it's open season on people under 18 and over 70. Woohoo. I don't think I don't think they can do that. I mean, again, I haven't actually tried to legally address that question. obviously immoral it's immoral, but I haven't tried to look at that from a legal perspective, but I'm pretty sure that wouldn't be allowed, right? So no one's arguing that murder should be allowed. The question at the heart of the abortion debate is is abortion murder? Obviously, that's the question. And people who are on one side think, Therefore, it should be legal. And people on the other side think, therefore, it should be legal. That's all. I mean, it's not that complicated. The question is, I mean, it is complicated, but seeing what the question's about isn't complicated. It's about whether abortion's murder. That's it. When between the zygote stage and 21 years of old or 60 years of old, does a human obtain the right to not be murdered? When does that happen? Some people say it happens at zygote stage. Some people say it happens at heartbeat stage. Some people say it happens at, I don't know, brain activity stage. Some people say it happens at birth. Very few people say it happens when you're 21, but whatever. That's the question. And no honest person, this is why this is dishonest. No honest person can possibly pretend that that issue is addressed in the U.S. Constitution. It's not addressed. Therefore, abortion's not in here. It can't be because that issue isn't addressed, and that's the issue. There is no no clause in the Constitution about when rights happen to entities with human DNA. That's not in here. It's not even implied in here. You want to add it, fine, make the argument, but it's not there. And yet you have this entire establishment. You have the media, most corporations, almost all bureaucrats at both the state and federal levels, um, even local levels. Most activists, not all activists, but most activists, many if not most federal politicians, the entire cathedral, that entire first and second estate, they are wringing their hands over these decisions. It's complete dishonesty. and and you know over the next several weeks these people will if not outright encourage at the very least they will tacitly sanction violence in response to these decisions make no mistake we're very likely to see another summer of violence and you know maybe the white house will will condemn it a bit publicly cuz they're in charge right um They wouldn't condemn it if Trump was in charge, but they'll condemn it a little bit because they're in charge and they don't want that. Um, But, you know, their entire ilk will secretly be gleeful about violence, about this stuff. And they'll do nothing of substance to oppose this. If cities burn, no one will use the word insurrection. Instead, they'll go back to using phrases like peaceful protests, that's what will happen. We've already seen threats against Supreme Court justices, which have received very little coverage. They suppress stories like that. So, you know, as you watch NPR and CNN and the rest of the cathedral, you know, grow apoplectic over these rulings, please, please notice. See through it. Notice that their outrage is performative histrionics. It's not moral outrage. No matter how many multisyllabic words and deep pensive sighs and hushed tones NPR uses to analyze this, it's nothing more than a temper tantrum over loss of control. That's all it is. That's all it is. There is no possible rational, honest reason to be pissed off about these two rulings. Look, I didn't like a lot about Trump. I didn't like a lot about his Supreme Court picks, right? But these Supreme Court picks are still the best thing that he's done, that he ever did as president. Um, they're not great. I mean, I'm not a fanboy of of Gorsuch or Kavanaugh or, or Barrett. But these are these are sound decisions. They're grounded in what appears to be an honest reading of the Constitution for the most part. And they wouldn't have happened without Trump's appointments. So you know, good for that. So that's all I wanted to to talk about. I wanted to bring up those two rulings because, again, like I said, they're back to back and uh, the reaction is just so obvious to see, you know, one moment this like, how could they not see? How could they not see that abortion is in the Constitution? And the next moment, how could they possibly think that gun rights are in the Constitution? It's just... It would be funny if they weren't in control if they weren't in power it, this would be a comedy all right everyone have a good one um don't let them burn down your city if you can help it um i will see you on monday for narrative dissonance as i mentioned i'm out for dangerous thoughts the next couple of weeks if you didn't watch this week's dangerous thoughts uh, i think it's titled shut up and produce i highly recommend it i expose uh the davos world economic forum agenda as as you know they just spoke about it a couple of weeks ago in davos and, and I talk about it in a way that I hope, think uh, people will be able to really understand and understand what's what's the motivation and what they're intending to do so you can see it when it's getting rolled out. So thanks for watching. Please visit unsafespace.com to support this network, all the shows on it. And uh, I will see you guys on Monday. Take care. Thanks for sticking around until the end if you're new to unsafe space check out our deep content library that includes discussions with everyone from james Lindsay to brett weinstein and please consider helping to fund our work by visiting unsafespace.com donate you can find us on a variety of social media platforms and you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our unsafe space discord server which is open to financial supporters at any level. We hope to see you there.
1: Warning, this is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production does not meet WHO health and safety standards. Please report to our United Nations Sanitization Center immediately association with the following individuals is strictly prohibitive. Experts who benefit from printing money agree that printing money does not cause price inflation. Trust me, just two more weeks to slow the spread of monkeypox. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't.